Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The opposite of racist isn't non-racist. It is anti-racist. This statement is from Dr. Kendi and his number one New York Times bestseller, How to Be Anti-Racist. For many across our nation, thankfully, this is understood. For others, however, this statement could be received and interpreted as provocative or uncomfortable, with some even dismissing it as lacking merit. While not a new concept, the idea of anti-racism has received much attention in recent years. This is perhaps largely due to the BLM movement and the deaths of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd. Dr. Kendi's internationally celebrated memoir is a must-read for all, as he has done a remarkable job of showcasing and unpacking the overall concept of anti-racism. Our guest today has built upon this foundation by taking his lessons and thoughtfully and thoroughly breaking things down further for us. In their new book, The Anti-Racism Handbook, President-elect of the American Psychological Association, Dr. Tama Bryant, and licensed psychologist, Dr. Edith G. Arrington, have enhanced and elevated the message of anti-racism and what that looks like, action through the lens of today. To dive further into how we can all best examine bias, think about race, and face our fears, we have Dr. Tama Bryant herself with us today. This is Our Daily Story, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. Yes, let's get to it. So let's go ahead and set a clear foundation for everyone uh, to begin. So what is the definition of anti-racism? Someone who moves beyond awareness of racism to actively and consistently working to dismantle racism and Mm -hmm. to promote liberation. Well said. I love it. So how about this? What made you to to build upon the foundation? What, what made you want to write this book? It is so important that the psychological aspect be present. Racism uh, attacks us on all different fronts. Mm-hmm. And so the response to racism to counter it requires interdisciplinary action. So that means whatever your profession is, whatever your background is, if you lend that expertise or that wisdom, to this movement, it will be uh, really significant in us shifting the tide. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times the conversations around racism, 
come from a political science standpoint or come from a historical standpoint, or some deal with the realities of the economic perspective. Uh, but it really is important as we think about transformation to also think about the mindset, the mindset that is passive in the face of racism, the mindset that is promoting racism, and in the mindset of those who want to be a part of this movement uh, to eradicate racism. Mm. Now, there are some people out there who say that non-Black people, non-melanated individuals who say, I'm not racist. I don't teach my children to be racist. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't oppress people. I, I live a good life. I'm a good person. Um, and yet I have my own problems and they have their problems. I need to focus on my problems. So I'm not going to oppress anyone, but I just don't have the bandwidth to help other folks with their um, issues. These people exist. Why is it important for everyone to commit specifically to being anti-racist versus not racist? Yes. So racism is not just on the individual level. Mm -hmm. It is systemic and structural. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people are more comfortable with the word bias than racism. Okay. But when we simply use the word bias, we are implying that it's just about some people not liking some people. And if that was the case, then we would just give the solution that we tell kindergartners, which is if people don't like you, just don't hang around them. Right. Sure. Go make some other friends. And so, you know, when people say, well, I'm not actively hating or fearful of anyone uh, that could work if we were only dealing with uh, an issue of attitude or bias. Sure. But the reality is that racism is systemic. And so it shows up in our educational system. It shows up in the criminal justice system. It shows up when people are going to apply for home loans, when they're going to apply for jobs and for colleges. It is unavoidable. And so uh, to consider whether or not you're going to engage in countering it really becomes uh, a value statement. And so you have to say to yourself, interrogate for yourself, what are my values? Do I value justice? Do I value humanity? Do I value equity or equality? Uh, do I value compassion? If my value is simply gathering material resources for myself and my immediate family, then you won't see a need to interrupt racism because you will see it as something uh, perhaps that you recognize you benefit from and it just allows you to thrive. But in your core, if your value is one of really justice, compassion, equity, uh, wanting to be a part of the solution of making things better for everyone, uh, then you will want to live a values-driven life so that when I'm in a meeting and I see something happening or when I'm in a store, and I see someone is going to skip over the person of color to call on me next when I know they were there first. Mm -hmm. Now I have to make a decision within myself. What do I really believe? What do I really value? What am I really modeling for my children? And it's also important to recognize that racism does not just harm those who are targeted. So it does not just 
that uh, it does not just harm and terrorize the minoritized or the marginalized, but it also has a negative effect on uh, those who are considered beneficiaries. When you are taught that other people are trying to destroy your country, that other people are inferior, when you're thought that you must protect yourself and your family because these people have no values and no morals, it will keep you in a place of anxiety. It will put you in a place of hostility, sometimes even beyond your own awareness, and it creates a lot of stress. I cannot engage with people from a place of compassion and then not care about their mistreatment. So it requires an honest conversation with yourself. So how do you believe the uh, BLM movement and the protests of 2020 have influenced the messages and strategies of anti-racism? Yes. Well, one important piece has been awareness raising because those who experience it and are aware of it on a regular basis uh, were not startled. We're We're in pain, but not surprised. But there are many people uh, who were not aware. And, you know, it is possible in this segregated society to be very ignorant um, about things that are happening on a regular basis. And so uh, it really raised awareness. And we want to name that for the first time in this country, there were protests in all 50 states and internationally for racial justice. Mm. And those protest marches were interracial, were intergenerational, were across the economic spectrum. And so uh, there was an awakening uh, for some. Now we know that uh, for some people it's a fade, uh, it's a fad. And so uh, they were into it in the moment and now they've moved on to something else. Um, But then there are those who became more aware and have continued to commit. Uh, There was also a research study that demonstrated Cities that had BLM marches had a statistically significant decrease in police murders, Mm. right? Mm. So when people know that you are watching them, they behave differently. When they are aware that like it's flying under the radar and nobody really cares, uh, then we have more um, of this this terrorizing of our, our community. And so we say that it the marches actually saved lives. Right. That's, you know, from a research perspective, for those who need, you know, the numbers to know that. Um, And then it also, for many people, created a sense of community. It's one thing to be outraged by myself and that can feel like overwhelming and can feel powerless. But when people are able to gather with other people, there can be a sense of there are other people who think like I think. Uh, who believe that this is outrageous, that want things to be uh, transformed. And so it can give that sense of community. Um, Also, uh, the BLM uh, is intentionally uh, non-hierarchical, more collaborative Mm -hmm. uh, than a lot of movements in the past, more inclusive. Uh, And so there there has really been um, a significant contribution Uh, that has been made uh, by those efforts. And I should say a lot of people don't know behind the scenes that I know more from a mental health perspective and being in Los Angeles, uh, that the work is not just around protests, but a lot of times supporting the bereaved families. So families who have had loved ones who were murdered, 
that both uh, emotionally and financially um, them providing support. And so that's important. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us today to discuss her book, The Anti-Racism Handbook, is Dr. Tama Bryant. So how can people best examine their biases and their personal perspectives? Yeah, so you want to look at your mindset, and this is both for um, people of color and for white people as it relates to engaging uh, in anti-racism efforts. And so there are some mental blocks, some psychological barriers that can keep people from engaging. And so in order to address the barrier, I need to first tell myself the truth about like, is that what shows up for me? So, you know, one of the barriers is fear. 
And mm. understandably so. Uh, I don't want to sugarcoat it. There are consequences for speaking up and speaking out against racism. That people who want the status quo uh, will uh, organize against you. That if you speak about it on your job or at your child's school, uh, people can label you as uh, someone who complains or plays the race card or is too sensitive. And so uh, people can be be afraid of the social consequences, uh, the professional consequences, in some cases, the economic consequences. And for those who put their bodies on the line, uh, they can be fearful of, for their physical safety and the uh, safety of their loved ones. And so uh, it's important to weigh uh, the fears and then to look at what are, um, from a matter of integrity, what am I willing to do or to say, uh, given the environment I'm in, right? So if I'm on my job and I see that, you know, people of color are never being promoted, right? And so I can say, I can be silent and pretend that's not happening and just hope my promotion goes through. Or as a matter of uh, my values and uh, my mindset, I can say, while I know it may not be popular, while it may make some people uncomfortable, I want to address it anyway, uh, because to be silent is to support the status quo. And the other thing for you to be, for the listeners to be aware of, is often when one person speaks up, then other people who had noticed or who were bothered by it will get more confidence by you stepping into the water. So, you know, usually people don't want to be the first. They don't want to be the only. Um, and so addressing our fears is one. Uh, there's also the fear of getting it wrong. And I think I hear that one, especially from white people, is I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to be misunderstood or uh, people are going to interpret it and say that I'm ignorant or racist or what have you. So I'm just going to be silent. And so to that you know, what we talk about in the book is having the emotional capacity to make mistakes. That when you are not well-informed in something, but you want to learn, a part of the learning is you're gonna get it wrong sometimes, but to take the correction as a gift, right? So it's like, if, if I say I'm committed to anti-racism and then I do something in a community and people say, that that was silencing to people of color or that the word that I used was offensive. If I take that and say, well, I tried, never mind, I'm not going to help anymore, then, you know, that's a very immature, uh, emotionally underdeveloped place to be, right? Because they could have not corrected you and then you could keep uh, being out of order and not even knowing it. And so to say, I I'm going to be imperfect, but it I'm a work in progress. And I'm going to take it in, take in the information and continue to show up. Uh, that's that is what is needed instead of just shutting down. So whether it's the fear of consequences, uh, the fear of messing up uh, for some people, it is ignorance. And so it's important to educate yourself and not just leave it to people of color or those who are engaged in uh, the movement to educate you. 
Uh, but we're living in a world now where information like, you know, here on your podcast, it's available in so many places. So yes, ask questions, but also do your own work uh, so that you can be more aware of the issues, of the history, um, of the consequences of action and inaction. Uh, so those are some of the barriers that we want to address so that we can become more engaged. You know, I like how you mentioned that black folks can benefit from these these uh, examinations of their biases as well, because recently we talked about uh, we did a We did a show on banking while black and we discussed some instances where black folks would go into a bank and try to cash a check or make a withdrawal or whatever um, and how the banks would react and a more recent story that that made national headlines was the director of the film uh, Black Panther, Ryan Coogler, went into a bank uh, and attempted to make a withdrawal from his own account, for those that don't know the story. Um, and he had all his paperwork and he slipped a note in there that said, I'd like, you know, the money, I'd like to do this discreetly because I don't want, I don't think he put this part, but effectually it was because he didn't want folks to know he was walking out with that amount of cash. Um, and the uh, the bankers called the police on him, and both the uh, teller and the bank manager uh, saw that he was a black man. Mm -hmm. um, they were concerned, despite him pulling money out of his own account, that he was robbing the bank. And when the police showed up, at least the way I remember seeing the video, the bank manager uh, sort of congratulated or said sort of good job to the police as they were escorting uh uh, Ryan Coogler out of the branch. In other words, thanks for showing up and catching the bad guy, catching the criminal, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a very troubling uh, thing for me to witness because, you know, in most of the instances, it's white folks who have an issue with a black person or other melanated individuals um, making withdrawals or, you know, are they on the level? Are they trying to scam or steal or whatever? Which, you know, I couldn't tell you where that comes from. Um, but when you see black folks do it to black folks, you realize, OK, this is something that exists beyond, you know, you can't just point the finger at white folks. We all kind of have to take a look at our biases. So, uh, it, so I'm, I'm glad you raised the example. It mm -hmm. is internalized racism. Mm -hmm. Sure. So with internalized racism, we can come to believe the lies we've been told about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it makes sense because we're bombarded with those messages. Right. So from the time you're young, you see messages of uh, our own people as criminals or as immoral or as not intelligent or as not attractive. And so for people to be a part of the community and still come to believe those lies, uh, that makes sense. But it requires a healing of that and a, a truth telling, which is why some people say culture is medicine for us to learn the truth of who we are is really healing. Um, let's pull the curtain back a bit. How can people find the book or, or keep up with your work personally? Yes. Uh, do you have like social media? Let's, let's yes. make sure that we can plug people in with, so they can absolutely. The book Thank you. Uh, so the books are available everywhere. Books are sold, whether you do independent bookstores or the large bookstores. Um, and then in social media, I'm on Instagram as Dr. Tama. I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, 
Facebook. And as of last month, I'm on TikTok. Mm. So definitely uh, uh, follow me. And I love to put out uh, both inspirational and informational quotes about mental health and now uh, videos as well. And my website is drtama.com, D-R-T-H-E-M-A. And I have a podcast called The Homecoming Podcast, and that's on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And uh, we're up to 145 episodes, so you can catch up. Uh, There are 30-minute episodes about uh, all of the different mental health issues, from relationships to depression to grief um, to um, cultivating cultivating more joy in your life very good um we need to get your uh your your podcast on on iheart as well ah so let's yes work on that next yes all um, right and then, excellent and do me one more do me one more favorite please would you uh spell your instagram uh you said dr tama is that yes. spelled out um, right so it is on instagram there's a period there so dr period t-h-e-m-a but on Twitter and TikTok, there's no period. So it would just be D-R-T-H-E-M-A. Very good. Okay. Well, once again, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. Obviously, you are uh, a well-informed individual, and we, we could all stand to learn a lot, not only from your book, but um, from you, uh, as you as you lead the way, as you champion the cause. And so uh, our guest, again, is Dr. Tama Bryant, author of the Anti-Racism Handbook. Thank you so much. And before we go, I'll leave you with this. While the work is ongoing, effectively utilizing these strategies, concepts, and tools certainly helps to ease our way. Consciously doing what we can to educate and inform ourselves and others, that is the formula. That is the recipe. That is how we will continue to expedite our journey towards equality and justice for all, a true anti-racist society. Simply stated, anti-racism is a radical love for justice, and that's all we ever really wanted. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story Podcast. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.